Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, January the 11th, 2021, and uh, we missed you guys last week. Uh, weren't able to do a Monday Main Point, but we're going to sort of sandwich both of those uh, Monday Main Points into one supercharged Monday Main Point this morning as we're talking about uh, karma and Christianity. Um, this was a sort of mini sermon series that I've done over the last two weeks. Um, uh, and this is our opportunity kind of to finally get together as, as a group of pastors and talk about that sermon series. Um, I'm joined here, as always, with our youth pastor, Jeremiah Custer, our children's pastor, Blake Flincham, and our senior pastor, Pastor Jeff McCarthy. And of course, I'm Jonathan Hendricks. I'm an associate pastor here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. And we're glad that you've joined us uh, for this discussion. So, fellas, I, I was uh, over Christmas break. I, I was listening to some music with, uh, with my daughter. It wasn't necessarily Christian music. Uh, she was just listening to some pop music. And I heard this song by a band called AJR. And... Um, the lyrics, uh, the name of the song was called Karma, and the lyrics are what really hit me. And it's not that these lyrics are dirty or filthy or anything like that. Rather, these lyrics to me are sad. I'm just going to read the lyrics that, that really stuck out to me. And this is from the chorus. And it says, I've been so good. I've been helpful and friendly. I've been so good. Why am I feeling empty? I've been so good. I've been so good this year. I've been so good, but it's still getting harder. I've been so good. Where is the karma? I've been so good. I've been so good this year. And when I was listening to this song, I was just struck. Uh, my family and I, we were all we all looked at each other and went, oh my goodness. You know, this this is exactly the kind of thing that I would love to speak to. Because in the setup for the song, they were talking about how wherever they went, all around the world, whoever they met that they saw this same struggle with every single person. And so I thought, man, my heart just really goes out to the guy who's singing this song and all the people that he represents outside of the church. But then, guys, it hit me. This isn't just an attitude that's outside the church. This is an attitude we see inside the church, too. We see people all the time say, well, I've done all these good things. Why isn't the good coming back to me? Or... They see a loved one suffering in a hospital bed and they go, well, that person's a good person. I've watched them, I've watched them live a good life. Why are they suffering? I can understand if it was this guy over here who lived, uh, who lived a horrible life and doing all these bad things. I get why they would suffer, but why is a good person suffering? And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, really what we've done, I think in some ways is, We've smuggled in ideas from karma into Christianity. And for those of you who maybe missed the sermon series, let me briefly explain what I mean by karma. Karma is sometimes often understood. Karma comes from uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, and sort of, sort of the uh, Eastern religions. And karma itself just means action. It, it's not the, the, the effect, but it's the action you do. So the good action you do is good karma. The bad action you do is bad karma. Um, and as it works, the law of karma is a law of cause and effect. It's sort of 
you know, you sow this good seed so that you reap good fruit. Not necessarily in this life, because to really understand karma, you have to understand that um, the, the religions that endorse karma also have this idea of reincarnation. So the bad stuff, when bad stuff is happening to me in this life, when I'm suffering, what those people will say is, or what that religion says is that the bad that I'm suffering is because of bad karma that happened in my past lives. Somewhere down, in the, down the line, I sowed bad seed, and so now I'm reaping bad fruit. So if I sowed good seed, then I would be getting good things going on in my life. Any good that's going on in my life, it's because of good things I did in a past life. So the best thing I can do is try to do as much good now so that my future life will be a, a favorable one. When I'm born, when I'm reborn later on down the line, it'll be a favorable life. That's, that's what karma is. And, and the idea is, is they're trying to escape this idea of karma. Uh, they don't want to be reborn. They want to be free of the of this cycle. But karma, as we understand it in popular culture, guys, I think, is more along the lines of, um, they take that idea of, if I do good, I should get immediate return on my good. If I do bad, I should get immediate return on my bad. Um, and so that's why I think we see um, this sort of idea uh, manifest itself even among Christians. Now, um, for sermon one, I, the first part of the sermon uh, series, I looked at why do good. And, and I used the passage from Galatians where um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's often quoted honestly, as, uh, as supporting this idea of, of uh, karma. And it's where Paul says, don't be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, he will also reap. And when you first listen to that, that sounds like karma, does it not? I mean, that kind of sounds like karma. So you could see how someone could maybe take that passage and say, oh, well, this is the way it works. You sow good seed in this life, you're going to reap good seed. You sow bad action in this life, you're going to reap bad actions. And so it's kind of like karma. Um, I'll start there uh, with this discussion with you guys. Do, do you think that that's... I, I mean, I, I know what I think about this, and I made clear what I thought about it, but you guys might disagree, and that's fine. That's you know, It's fine to disagree in this forum. Do you think Paul is talking in, along those lines? That he's talking about purely actions that we do now reaping consequences in the here and now. So that, because that's what a lot of pastors, you talk about faith seeding and stuff like that. That's kind of where they go to, right? Well, if you sow your faith seed, you're going to reap, a, God's going to give you, you know, back what you, what you put in. Um, do you think that's what Paul means? I'll just leave it open to any of you guys. Yeah, no, I mean, just like in your sermon, uh, we don't think that's what Paul means. Like, uh, he is talking about kinds of fruit, right? So if you sow in the Spirit, you're going to reap in the Spirit. If you sow in the flesh, you're going to reap in the flesh. Uh, so not really if you sow good, you're going to get good, because that's neither neither flesh nor spirit i mean i guess it's spirit but it's it's fruit of the spirit and you walk through all the fruits of the spirit mm -hmm. i guess kind of where i want to 
where I want to go is, is in your point, too, is like, can we do good? Yeah. Because the cool thing about that song, it's a good song. I think everyone does ask that question. I've been so good. I've been so good. And I know Christmas just happened and, you know, the whole Santa Claus thing. Like, I'm sure there's kids out there saying the same thing. Like, sure. I was so good. Why didn't I get this? Or mm-hmm. I was so. Uh, and so we kind of teach this at a young age. Yeah, you're right. Um, but where are the people? If if we're gonna believe in karma, where are the people that are like, I've been so bad. Why am I getting good things? Mm-hmm. And you had that in your video. They're, they're, yeah. That guy had like a real a realization. But I just think, practically speaking, maybe we do that. Uh, maybe occasionally we inward focus like I've been I've been really bad I deserve I don't deserve this good or whatever mm-hmm. uh, I should be getting bad things happen to me sometimes I think when we're when bad things are happening we're like well we try to correlate it to what bad thing did I do which for me it's like well just list them off like <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that's what the Bible is trying to say is we're not as good as we think we are. I've been so good. I've been so good. The Bible's like, nah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the law is our tutor, right? Yeah. It, it teaches us, uh, actually, look look here. Look at this and look at that. Like, you actually haven't uh, been that good. Um, but we like to do it when we look at other people. We like to go, well, he's been bad. That's why he's getting all this bad stuff out. Or right. he's been bad. Why are good things happening to him? Mm-hmm. Right, because we don't want them to get good things. So externally, sure, we look at them and say they're bad. But internally, do we ever really think I've been so bad? I've been so bad. What? Where are all the the bad things? Right. I like I like that analogy to Santa Claus, though, because I yeah. think you're I think you're right in some ways. I think that that we we sort of and 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 I, th- I think this is why you might get sort of a karmic idea coming into Christianity, right? Like, yeah. Like, God, I've been good. Because yeah, I think a lot of people, maybe Blake, a lot of people see God as a Santa Claus. Yeah. They, they view God as a Santa Claus figure. And if you view God as Santa, and you bring your Santa wish list, you climb up into his lap, and you say, he's like, what would you like for this year? And you're like, well, I, I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and I want, I want my family to get back together, and I want... I want peace in our country. I want, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he's like, have you been good? And you're like, yeah, I've been real good. You know? <laughs> and so, like, I mean, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, do, do, you, do you see that? Do you see people, like, looking at God as a Santa figure? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you, like you said, you have this, uh, you have, like, these expectations, like this wish list that you would have. And there's nothing wrong with having a wish list, you know, cast all your cares upon the Lord because mm-hmm. he cares for you. Sure, sure. But what we have to realize is that, you know, and a lot of times Santa brings us every single thing we want. Even though what we want might not be good for us, he's still going to bring it because that's what we've requested. Mm -hmm. Sometimes with God, even when we ask for something, he's not going to do it because he knows what's best for us. Mm. And I think that's one one small distinction between God and Santa is that... Uh, God knows what's best for us. And, you know, if you look at the, going back to your original question on what Paul's getting at here, I think if you look at example of Paul's life, you see that, you know, this man was a great man of God. But, I mean, he was shipwrecked. He was snake-bitten. 
I mean, he suffered a lot of persecution. Mm-hmm. He suffered a lot of persecution. And right, right. But that's what Christ promised. You know, I don't think anybody would come to Santa and say, Santa, can I be persecuted for Christmas? <laughs> you see? And so I think what we have to realize here is that what I think Paul's getting at is you will reap what you sow. Um, what you put into the gospel effort is what you will get out of the gospel effort. Mm-hmm. What you put into the kingdom of God is what you will get out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think Paul's life is a wonderful example of that doesn't necessarily come into like our physical like wants and like desires because I mean the guy I mean he suffered a lot I mean left for dead like I said shipwreck snake bitten everything so Jeff do you think that God um, like a Santa figure that 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 if we're bad then he just gives us coal and he refuses to bless us I mean do you do you, do you think it, it works like that um, or 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 is that a misconception, or, or is that exactly how it works? No, I mean, definitely that's a misconception because the overwhelming majority of people in the world are not born-again Christians, and there's prosperity and good lives and all that out there. Yeah. Um, so, and these people, you know, well, they should get all the coal, and we should get the cattle of a thousand hills then, right? Right, right. Um, so I think, I think the big thing about, the reaping and sowing is you've got to be able to discern and understand the truth of it because it is a law, a law of nature. If I sow, like I think you used apple seed, I'm going to get apples. So, right. So if I'm in a church and let's say I start sowing division and you know I get two or three people and we, 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 they get on my side and we create this division, then eventually, yeah, you're going to sow, it's going to come back to you too. Mm-hmm. So there is a truth to it that we do reap what we sow. Um to a point, because right. if, I'm, if I'm a gossiper, then eventually they're going to be gossiping about me one day. Right. Uh, those things are going to happen. Right. So um, I, I like the way um, Eugene Peterson, I'll just read the passage from his interpretation. Yeah, sure, sure. In his paraphrase, it says, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. Mm-hmm. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, Ignoring God, which he puts the, you know, the horizontal, the vertical, mm-hmm. harvests a crops of a crop of weeds. All I have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the growth work in him, mm-hmm. harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So, in other words, if I'm trying him even on my own flesh to be spiritual, and I'm trying to do these things, like if I can do this, read my Bible pay my tithe and all, and I've planted all this stuff in my life, you know, but I'm doing it selfishly because mm-hmm. I, w- I want that new car, that new promotion, That then, you know, I'm, I'm really just, you know, sowing a bunch of weeds. Right. So it throws the whole prosperity gospel out the window. Yeah. And then verse 19 says, so let's not allow others to get, fi- so let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good, which is your question why I do good. At the right time, we will all harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closer to us, the community of faith. So in other words, Paul was saying, let's take care of each other, focus on the needs of us, then we'll focus on the broader needs of the community. Mm. And regardless, if we're sowing spiritually, if we're sowing into people's lives, then yes, there will be a harvest 
you know, in this life and in the life to come um, in ways that we really don't understand or know. Right. Because that's up to God to say what kind of harvest you're going to get. Right. But if I do intentionally sow selfishness or neglect and all those things, then yeah, when you look at the community and the church, if those things are being manifested, then yeah, you're sowing the wrong things. Right. So Jeremiah, I, I think I touched on this, but I'll give you a chance to talk about it. So what is the motivation then for, quote, doing good? I mean, why, why, why should I do good at all? I mean, why... You know, because it's hard sometimes to do good. Why should I sacrifice? Why should I, you know, to, to go back to a sermon you preached three weeks ago, why should I give my best? Mm. If, if Why should I try and give my very best if in the end either I can't give my best because I can't do good or that even if I give my best, like what's my motivation for doing it? Like um, why, why should I do it? It's not going to give me a, an immediate return. We just talked about that. So we don't think it works like that. So why do it? Yeah, I think probably the historical answer or traditional answer is that, like, you, uh, it, it's selfish in nature, this answer I'm about to give you, but then I'll give you, a, I think, a better answer. Okay. But that you would, you do good things or you do kingdom things so that you reap benefits in the kingdom. Right. Um, which is true. In some sense, but it's still sort of selfish. So that it's a I, selfish right. reason. To so do I good. give to the church so that one day I get a mansion in heaven. Yeah, or right? I get crowns in heaven. Right. Or so I don't. My status, for whatever reason, in the heaven hierarchy that doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, well, it kind of exists. There's Jesus and then us. Right. But, uh, maybe Jesus martyrs than us. Maybe, but it doesn't exist. Um, but. Um, yeah, so I think a better answer is is our motivation for doing good. Why do good? And, and it's, again, we want to focus on the good that's been done to us. Because good is not defined by anything that we can really define it in. Good is defined in the character of God. Mm. And so if God is good and he's been good to us, mm. our motivation then is because because our God is good and he's given us uh, salvation, all these spiritual benefits right salvation heaven eternal life uh the spirit uh all those awesome things that we do receive um from from god um then our motivation is to to do uh good in return Mm -hmm. um so it's it's just out of relationship with god who's been so good to us and really it's somewhat unnatural it's somewhat because when you talk about the fruits of the flesh, fruit of the spirit, like Jeff just mentioned, dissension, that's a fruit of the flesh. When you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap the flesh, right? You're right. going to become more fleshly. Right. But when you sow to the spirit, uh, you hope that the return is that you're going to become more spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, so more loving, more joyful, more peace, more patience. Should we then, guys, and I'll, I'll just make this a question for the table. Should we should we continue to use words like investing in the kingdom? Does that lead people down a, a, a wrong path when we talk about words like using investment? Because because investment very much at least in our American idea is is just what you said. I'm gonna I'm gonna give or I'm gonna give to this company or I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I might not get an immediate benefit, but eventually I'm hoping that this company or this person I'm investing in. Will reach a certain, you know, I'm putting money in the bank here so that I get a return on it. I want a return on this. Should we use the word investment when we talk about the, the things of the kingdom? 
I'm trying to think, guys. Is there is there any language like that in the Bible? Yeah, Jesus uses about the uh, guys that were given the talents and one buried his, and everybody else went and used theirs and actually made more. Mm, yeah. So, um, so I think that the, the from from a like an individual standpoint of investment, no. But as far as a group of people coming together to say, hey. We have a church family. We have a church home. We need to invest in making our church better because when we invest in it, then we're going to invest for the future, which then invest is investment in the kingdom future, which that more people come to Christ is the is the payout. That's the benefit. Not that, you know, I'm, I'm on the mansion with the golf course now and I can hit a whole one and on, on every hole. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and to, so it's kind of like you got to define your... Uh, the way that you find define investment because I think if you don't, then you run into and you I mean I know you've seen this in the, in in other churches and stuff too, but you have this notion with some people who when they when when they're asked to put money in the offering plate for instance they get upset because they feel like they're literally investing financially investing in something and, and so they expect a return right they then. expect a return right then and. In the same way that in a stock market kind of an analogy, yeah. if I invest enough, I get controlling interest in it, right? And so, and so we have this notion of okay, well, I've invested enough financial. I've in, I've invested my let's go away from financial. I've invested my time and my resources and stuff. I have controlling interest now in at least this part of the kingdom. And again, I think that that that's a wrong-headed perhaps notion. Of what we mean when we say invest. Yeah, I, I used to have a saying. I said that some people, when they give, they put rubber bands on their money. <laughs> hey, I gave it to the church, but it still really belongs to me, and right. I want to tell you what you can do with it, or I want this program, or I want this. Sure. I want this say, and if I don't get my way, then I'm not going to give money anymore. Yeah. I mean, people use that all the time. It's like leverage. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that happens, but that goes back to, you know, sowing to the flesh and being selfish and not thinking about others and yeah. doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So. Jeremiah, you look like you were about to say something a minute ago. I interrupted. I apologize. Oh, yeah. So uh, maybe, and we do this, maybe unconsciously or subconsciously, we, I think, here prefer to use the word advance the kingdom rather than invest in the kingdom mm. uh, for that reason. Um, although I, I don't think it's wrong to say invest in the kingdom as long as there's that caveat of, of you're defining it correctly. But to say advance the kingdom just means I give with no attachment that it would advance and I'm not going to receive an investment or receive a return. Yeah, because with the word advance, it has like that... John the Baptist kind of motif that I would decrease so that God would increase. Right, right. We talk right. about advancing the sure. kingdom. Rather, where investment, you kind of still have that kind of self-promotion, like that rubber band. Yeah, I like, I, I like, I like that, I, I like that, uh, that differentiation there, Blake. And I think that's, I think, I think you're right. I think it's important. So, so to just kind of clarify what we've just said here, when we talk about sowing seed. One, we're not talking about necessarily our own, our own good actions or or things that we're trying to do so we can reap for ourselves. Rather, we're talking about what we're able to do through the Spirit to reap spiritual fruit, 
spiritual fruit, maybe not even for ourselves, but for the kingdom as a whole. Am I, am I, am I kind of encapsulating that together? So, so that really turns the whole karmic notion on its head. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really does. But let's, let, now, let's, now let's flip the script and let's talk a little bit about some, the part two of this. because, And I really think that this might be where more people trip up. And the idea is, is that um, this bad stuff is happening to me. And the question that gets asked all the time is, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, I mean, and that's not a question that's unique to, uh, to Christianity. Um, I, I mentioned this in the message yesterday. Do a quick YouTube search and you'll find all kinds of people trying to answer that question for people all around the globe. And I think somewhat in those AJR lyrics that I mentioned as well, he, he kind of hits on that. I've been so good. Why are things getting harder? Why is it getting harder? When I've done good, I feel like I've done good things. I've been friendly. I've been helpful. For the Christian, I've read my Bible. I've prayed a bunch. Why is it then that I'm suffering these things? Or why is the person that I idolize, um, or uh, maybe idolize is a little strong. Why is the person that I look up to as a Christian? I look at that person and I say, that man, that is the model of a Christian. Why is that person suffering? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I think that's a question that a lot of people wrestle with. And I just want to, I want to say, at least I believe that the one thing that you don't want to say, and this is why I went to, and I'll give credit where credit's due here, Jeff. You're the one that pointed me in the direction of that Luke passage, Luke 13. Uh, verses one through five that I looked at yesterday, and what a great passage that is yeah. for for discussing this. Um, I want to say that just because something bad is happening to somebody or somebody's suffering some some horrible thing right now, it doesn't mean that they or someone in their life has done something wrong. Um, and and I think that that's something people really need to 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 get a hold of. Don't you? Yeah. And the opposite. Right, you see someone doing good, or or what we would say looks good, like he's he or she is successful, gaining a lot of money, popular, whatever those good things you think are. Uh, but their their life doesn't match up. But you still want to imitate what they're doing, what the because they're reaping all these good benefits. I I need to do what they're doing. And it may not be a good example, yeah. right? And I know we used Paul as an example earlier of why why do bad things happen to good people? But man, if if we don't think suffering is going to happen, like, do you even know the story of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> That's a great. Point, like, I though. mean, the only good person that ever existed, ever truly good, truly good, yes. right? And still had to go through suffering, still had to go through pain because of what you said, those three things. We live in a fallen, the first one, we live in a fallen world. Two, because of other people. I mean, Jesus could, could just as easily blame Pilate and others for killing him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, and something I found interesting, I was just reading through Luke. I just kept reading in, in Luke 13. Mm. In the same context, Jesus begins, uh, well, he's not begins healing, but he continues healing all these people. 
But in, in verse 10, he meets a woman with a disabling spirit. Don't really know what that means, but basically uh, she her, her spine was somehow messed up for 18 years and she leaned over when she walked. Uh, and he says about her... Um, in verse six, uh, chapter 13, verse 16, he says, And I thought this woman a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. So he, he even credited, credits Satan for causing her demise of the last 18 years. Why do I bring that up? I probably should have brought this up first. But uh, why do I bring that up is because a lot of times when people are experiencing bad things, they want to blame God. Yeah. And that's really what's at stake here. Right. But when they're experiencing good things, they don't want to give credit to, to God for that. They want to give credit to their actions. True. But I think what people would say is that while God is not the one who, like, God isn't the one who's maybe causing this bad thing to happen to me. God's not the one causing, no, causing, causing but, but allowing, but allowing. Yeah. Why is God allowing this when He clearly is powerful enough to stop it? Mm-hmm. And that's the question that I think really trips people up. Yeah. God's obviously powerful enough to stop it. So what? He doesn't care. He doesn't. He doesn't care enough to stop it for me. Yeah. Like I'm not done enough good to earn God's favor so that He'll stop this suffering from me. Um, it's either, because it's either, right, most people will say, it's either the reason why he's allowing this is because he's not powerful enough to stop it. We don't want to say that because then that doesn't make him God. Or he's punishing me. He's punishing me. Like he's punishing me. Or some people will go one further step and say, well, he's, he's allowing this to happen because there's going to be some good that comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm sure that in, on this table, we, we don't have to get into that, that particular notion if you want. We can if you want to. That's a very, very deep topic. Um, I, I personally, I have a problem with that greater good idea. Um, but, but that's me. Um, and then, and, and that's, a, that's a philosophical road we don't have to go down this morning. But I, I do want to talk about the idea of, okay, so is our suffering proportionate to our sin because that's what people want to think do you think our suffering is proportionate to our sin Blake I don't think so okay I don't think so and that's because now I do believe that like you said in one of your sermons some of our suffering will be because of our sin you know yeah like like you said if with the you know if you're an alcoholic you know you're going to absolutely annihilate your liver yeah. If you don't quit. Yep. And even when you do quit, you still have some damage done to your liver. If you've gone long enough, that's just a consequence mm-hmm. of your sin. But there's also this portion where if you're in a fallen world, just expect it. Bad things are going to happen when you don't expect them to happen. Yeah. And there's if you sit around and ask yourself, you know, if you really break out all these proportions of, you know, did I do this today? Did I do this today? You know, what did I do three days ago? You're going to worry yourself to death Mm -hmm. when all you can do is really realize the fact that we're in a broken world. And if you can't figure out if you've done anything, then, you know, you just need to really realize that we're in a broken world and 
it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We're not. It's real. It's real. So a lot of times, especially as Christians, we almost have this mindset that we're supposed to be like exempt from suffering. Or people in America, mm-hmm. even if you're living in America, you're just supposed to be exempt from suffering, and that's just not biblical. Yeah, it's yeah. just not biblical. Yeah, and so yeah, I, I so I shared. Um, I shared, uh, I shared a heresy in my own life, um, you know, in, in regards to this in my sermon yesterday. But it's true. I, look, I, I, I have to admit that it's true. Yeah. It's true, and and I, and I share it because, you know, I'm I'm a Christian and been a Christian for a very long time, and I'm raised in church. You know, I read the Bible on a regular basis. Uh, you know, I study God's word. I study the deeper things of God's word, and yet I'm watching. I'm watching my team, Jeff. I'm watching my team struggle. Uh, and boy, has it been a struggle this year? But I, I, I'm watching my team struggle. You must and, be reading your Bible now because they're playing better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, and in that moment, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Like in my head, I'm thinking. Uh, God is is punishing me, but maybe God isn't going to allow me to enjoy something that I generally get pleasure from in order to get my attention. So I'll do something that is good, which is spend time with him. Uh, and so so I've turned off the game. I go and spend time with him. I turn it back on and lo and behold, we're doing better now. And that just reinforces it, by the way. Um, but look, I, I, you know, we laugh at that. But I guarantee you, I haven't asked you all, but you all have done something similar, right? I'm not the only one that's done this. Well, I mean, think about it. When Carolina won the championship the next year, it was called redemption. I mean, we couch all that stuff in spiritual terms. We do. You know, we, we do that. I mean, it's uh, superstition is really what it is. I'm, 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 well, it's I'm, superstition. And <laughs> I, I remember doing this growing up. I remember, but it would be me playing sports, right? Right. And, I'll pray but, for home runs. Yeah, things, things, you know, I dropped this pass or whatever. <laughs> I dropped this pass. And then, uh, so then what, what would, I would end up like prepping for sports events by worshiping, well, worshiping God. <laughs> right. What I'm actually doing though. I'm not serving God. Mm-mm. I'm serving idols. Yeah. I'm yeah. serving South the idol is, yeah. of football or UK. Right, yeah. I'm actually, yeah. I'm using God as a means to, like, rubbing the lamp of luck yeah. and, and superstition, like you said. But, but to, to, to my thing, it wasn't like I felt like uh, if, I start, if I stopped and, and, I, and I read my Bible and I prayed that we would do better. It's not like I'm, I want us to do better. It was more like I felt like God was punishing me and not allowing me to enjoy <laughs> right, something that I normally would enjoy. I mean, it didn't always work out that as soon as I finish, we do better. I mean, sometimes we don't. And, and then, and but, 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 I, we laugh about that. But I really think no, we that, think about. It. I mean, that's what these guys are doing, isn't it? Think about it. The first group was the Galileans, right? right? Jesus is talking to these religious leaders now. He's in Jerusalem. And he goes, yeah, those Galileans, of course, they're all like, yeah, they were sinners because they hated Galileans, really. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, Galileans were dirty and they lived among the Gentiles and, you know, among the shepherds and, you know. Right. So that's the first group. Like, yeah, they they were terrible. That's why the pilot did that to them. Right. They deserved it because they're sin. Well, then he goes, well, how about this tower that fell on these people? There were their people, Jerusalem, people from Jerusalem. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, 
uh, Eugene says, you know, uh, those 18 in Jerusalem the other day, the ones crushed when killed when the Tower of Siloam collapsed and fell on them, do you think they were worse citizens than yeah. all the other Jerusalemites? Unless you return to God, you too will die. So, so now he's talking to them like, yeah, you think you are better than those Galileans and condemning them and judging them for their sin and because mm-hmm. you're right with God and nothing like that would ever happen to you. And now a tower falls, so you got to like say, oh, they must have been sinners too. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to say, no, it's not about that. Right. We live in a fallen world. In fact, when 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 it happened, if you read the Bible and you believe the first part of Genesis, God in their sinful state then kept them from eating from the the tree of life because if they would have ate from the tree of life in their simple state, they would have stayed in that simple state forever. Yeah. But he provided a way so that we wouldn't have to stay in, a, in that state. And so this life here, we, we weren't meant now because of sin to live in this life forever. That's right. That's going to come yeah. later on where we have a glorified body and we don't have any more sin. We don't have any more pain, suffering, death, and all that other stuff. So in the meantime, while we're here, yeah, it is easy to say, well, I got in trouble with the law or I got in trouble with my wife or I got in trouble at work or, you know, I felt this this gray because because I did something bad and because I did something bad, God's punishing me. Well, mm-hmm. the reason you might have failed was because you didn't study and the reason you got in trouble with your life, why? Because you said the wrong thing. Right. <laughs> and the reason you got in trouble at work because you slacked off. So, so these consequences and all happen just because of who we are and where we're living right now, mm-hmm. and so, 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 so then yes, we all are going to die, whether it's a plane crash, COVID, something's going to happen to each and every one of us. We all are going to die. Yeah, Tra- every death is a tragedy. It's just that these these deaths that happen in tragic ways seem to be. M- uh, you know, magnifies like you were saying. The people that went to the Capitol the other day, right? Those five people never expected that day that actually they were that would be their last day on earth. Nope. Mm-hmm. But they put themselves in the circumstances where it happened. Now, yeah. does that mean we're more spiritual and better because we weren't there and we didn't go? Absolutely. And that they're not. sinners. Right. And so that's what we have to keep people from from making these assumptions. Yes. Right. And, and that's what these people did. Jesus was meeting them at their assumptions yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And it's really easy to assume that like karma has struck somebody looking from the outside in too because um i know a story of a church back in my hometown you know there's a saying that says lightning never strikes twice mm-hmm. well this church's steeple got struck with lightning twice <laughs> and so everybody always uh, you know once that happened you they know they should the, have bought a lightning rod the first time yeah for real <laughs> what was it was it the first church of corinth <laughs> I, yeah. I, like, I can't even remember the name right now bright light baptist but <laughs> but uh but it really you know looking at that the first thing you think of is like what did they do you know has the pastor been sleeping around on his wife or like Whoa. what you know, the first thing I think about. But, but that wasn't the first thing. I'm just talking about, like, you know, what's going on. But it might have just been because it was a bad storm, and nonetheless. That's exactly it. You know? Yeah, and, and what I'm saying is it's you. we also tend to struggle with, like, this karmic idea with other people. Yeah. Like, the idea of karma almost, like, automatically, like, pops up in our heads. And that mm-hmm. shouldn't, especially as Christians. Yeah. It shouldn't be that way. Right. And we all say it, like, yeah, you know, yeah. on the golf course, like, oh, yeah, karma's going to get you for that. You know, <laughs> we, we kind of joke around. Right, yeah. 
you know. Oh, and it's you. You guys are pastors, so you know this feeling. Anytime you meet someone for the first time, and you tell them that you're a pastor, and immediately they say, "I need to get back in church." And so they they immediately are like, "It's guilt, right?" But it's also like this. Like I've got my to life, do something. Yeah, my life's not going great. So, man, if I just got back in church, my, my life would start being better. Yeah. And honestly, and maybe it would be a good thing that your life didn't get better. Maybe you got wrecked or whatever. Not not wrecked. Right. But maybe your, your life got turned upside down or whatever. And also, we like to think about all these things that we can get from God. Sometimes I think God's like, I want to take things from you, like... Your, your fear and your anger mm-hmm. and your dissension. I want to remove things from you so right. that I can give, you know, peace. Because sometimes to receive peace, you just remove everything else out and you have peace, right? Right. No, but that's, you know, and that goes right back to the idea of some people who, when they first give their life to Christ, or they surrender their life to Christ for the first time, they expect that they're going to get immediate benefit from that Maybe they're they're maybe they've they've struggled with some sort of uh, emotional turmoil. They're dealing with emotional baggage and mental baggage, and now now I'm gonna give my life to Jesus, and all that's gonna go away. But it doesn't work that way. Um, you know, you don't you don't go to the altar and and give your life to Jesus. You know, overweight by by you know 300 pounds, and you wake up, you get up from the altar, and suddenly you're fit. It doesn't work that way. You know, there are. There's work to be done there. In the same way, there's work to be done with 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 things that we're suffering. We have to work our way through that emotional baggage. I, I just think that so many people try to try to add stuff to salvation that's just not there. You know, it's 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 not it's not about this life only. And you know, I, I was thinking, you know, if 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 it did work that way. If it worked that, okay, whatever good I do, I get good back from God. But if I do bad things, I'm going to get bad things in return. Man, we'd all be suffering like all the time, all the time. Because we're always doing, I don't know about you, but man, I can list all kinds of bad things I do every day. But but God sees fit to still bless me. And his forgiveness is always there for me. Um, And, you know, what's going on in my... Do, do I give credit for, for the good things that are in my life? Do I give credit to God for that? Well, yeah, of course I do. Um, I, give, I give credit to God for that. Um, and, and, I, and I thank Him for those things. Um, but I know that, that it's not necessarily good that I've done in my life that's caused that to happen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's not because I've been a good and faithful servant. Now God's going to give me you know, a, a better house. It just doesn't work that way. And it's not about accumulating material blessings in this life or material position or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, um, and Jeff, you mentioned the, the capital thing. I was talking to someone after the message yesterday. And J- Jesus clearly knew that, that the people that he was talking to in Luke, in Luke 13 there, he knew that they knew about, well, he knew they knew about the Galileans, but he also knew that they knew about that tower that had just fell. Yeah. This was a recent event. We don't know anything else about it, by the way. The Bible doesn't say anything else about this tower, and we don't have any other information about it. It's just but, one of the columns there at the pool. Right, but they knew. They knew about it. And uh, and so I think if G, I was telling someone after the sermon yesterday, I said, you know, I think if Jesus was here, he would go, what? You think those people over at the Capitol were worse sinners than, than everybody else? 
because they lost their life, because they were injured? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you're going to perish too. You're going to perish too. It's not, you know, the things that they, the things that happen to, to them, you know, that they, yeah, okay, they put themselves in a position perhaps where, where that's going to happen. But those police officers, they didn't, I mean, they were just doing their job. They didn't necessarily do anything wrong um, to, to bring about a death. Um, I just think if we, we kind of need to, to hear that, uh, especially right now. All right, well, um, we're past time here. This is a good discussion, guys. I appreciate you uh, talking about this uh, topic with me. Normally, at this point, I would tell everybody what's coming up next. Jeff, Jeff's preaching. Jeff, you haven't preached in like forever, man. You got to blow the cobwebs off the Bible there and uh, yeah. and get ready to to bring it on Sunday. Yeah, I'm um, either going to do uh, a passage about we're aliens or the passage for our memory verse. Jude 22. So, so, so aliens, as in like declassifying all the UFO information, we're going to talk about like UFOs and ETs and just no, area actually, you know, it's just timely because I think Trump's our citizenship, <laughs> yeah, our citizenship is not here on this earth. We're actually aliens and pilgrims, is what the oh, Bible calls boy. us. I like it. So, I like it. Just well, kind of put our perspective where we're supposed to be right now. So I'm probably going to do that, and then I'll do the memory verse on the last. One. Well, we'll have a good discussion then on that topic uh, next week on Monday Main Point. Thanks for joining us for this one, and we will see you next time. So long.